Hi everyone, it's Amber Love and welcome to another episode of Vodka O'Clock from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget that you can sponsor the show and the site and my work by going to Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked. And also, don't forget that you can get all three Farrah Weathers mysteries right now. There's Cardiac Arrest, Full Body Manslaughter, and recently out, Miscarriage of Justice. So if you do get the chance to check them out, please leave some nice reviews and make me feel better. That'd be great. So joining me back today is a podcasting friend, writing friend, cabin mate. Um, Brian Latendre is here. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about all kinds of things, podcasting and check in on our writing with each other. And we figured that instead of just um, chatting, that we would record this so that, you know, you guys can benefit from the sorts of troubles that we run into in this arena. Brian, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this this is good because it actually ties into the theme of what we were chatting about the other day, which, uh, first of all, I'm you're amazing with your pre-roll when you start your show. Like, I screw up the introduction to Secret Identity, the comics podcast that I do pretty much every week, um, and it's the same thing every week. So the fact that you just rattled off all of your Patreon stuff and your book stuff with, like, one take, kudos <laughs> to you. Well, maybe because you do so many shows. <laughs> I know, right? But this is my favorite thing is actually getting to be on someone else's podcast because okay. that, like, this is this is the low-stress side of it for me. So I could not be happier to be here today. Fantastic. Yeah, I had the pleasure of being on your show, which was great. It was uh, the C. Brian Wright version of uh, one of his right. podcasts and that was so much fun we got to talk about writing and um so that's where we're gonna pick up we're gonna we're gonna see where we are in the world now that we are basically halfway through 2017 oh my god i basically thought i'd be dead like a long time ago oh man uh, i time uh, that whole thing about like time flies and you know you don't realize how fast time goes and all that kind of stuff i feel like when you get to be a certain age you think about that all the time it's and true. that is kind of like what you and I were chatting about because we were saying what man what do we have to talk about like surely we can talk about comics we can talk about writing I mean we we both have the sort of Venn diagram of our interests and you know online communities and stuff there's a lot of overlap there but uh you know we ended up having a chat on Twitter about just the whole stressing out about your create your creativity and your projects and all that other kind of stuff. And a lot of that ties right back into the notion of time. And it just seems like there's not enough of it. And it just seems like the, the, the best laid plans seem to fall apart on you at the last minute. And so yeah. for, for me, I feel like 2017 so far has been an exercise in frustration. Like I had very big plans going into 2017. And so far I feel like I'm super behind on them, which okay. is not, completely accurate but that's you're sort of your own worst critic around that so that's that's kind of been my headspace over the past month is like frustration over not having things where I want them to be so far in the year and part of it's because man you blink your eyes and here we are in June yes that's very true for me uh this year Honestly, after, <laughs> you know, so far every episode gets into politics and, you know, I'm sort of sorry for that, but sorry, not sorry. Um, it's, you know, after the election, I I just felt like quitting. I felt like quitting literally everything, like every part of my life. I'm like, why bother trying? People who try just get crushed. And that's how I felt. And so the fact that this is even the 11th episode of the year, I mean, in previous years I would have been double because I was doing shows every single week and I've cut way back for this year for stress reasons. And so I'm actually proud that I have something out. Um, I've gotten, you know, the third mystery book out. And I know. Congratulations. The last time we talked, that had that was about to come out, and now it's out. So congratulations. That's so awesome. Anytime you sort of release a book into the world. Yes, it's it's a joyous, like, relief. It's also stressful because you're wondering, oh, my God, everybody's going to hate it. You know, of course they're going to hate oh, it. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, and honestly, I think it was probably the most relatable of the books, even though it's, you know, gets some extremely over-the-top moments, but I do think it's the most relatable. And... um so for me, for 2017, I it's taken me decades to get to the point where I am. And if people haven't read up on AmberOnMass.com, I did post an update that um, 
you know, in my attempts to find ways to manage life and manage my extreme anxiety because um, I had a two-hour breakdown at the doctor's one day. And um, so that was, like, December, I think. And um, so I have good pain medication now, so my pain management is better. I've only had about four or five days so far in 2017 where I felt like I couldn't walk without assistance. So my pain is doing great. Both cats are doing well and healthy, and they're very much enjoying the summer. Um, anybody following my accounts on Instagram or um, even Facebook, there's, you know, I'm always posting the cat pictures, training. Uh, Which I greatly enjoy, by the way. Yes. Because I don't have cats anymore, so I live vicariously through you with your cat pictures. And you have Larry the dog. so I do have Larry the dog, yep. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, we have a good buddy partnership there, too. So Gus is being trained on a leash now, and he's doing very well. Um, but they, they got, you know, they have strollers, so they go in buggies, and um, we took buggy rides this morning. And I'm finally taking a yoga retreat, which is something I've wanted to do, like I said, for decades. So um, it's a ass ton of money that's coming out of, um, you know, my nest egg that was there for <laughs> for reasons. And um, it, it, it was actually money to set aside for education. And I'm like, you know what, this is educational. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, and, and, it and I'm going to do it for me. But it sounds like you're really putting a lot of plans in motion so far in 2017. So uh, it, on my end, listening to you, you just released a new book. You've got this retreat that you're going on. You've been doing, you know, the training of your cats. Like you, you're in a better place with your pain management. Like all of that stuff is, that's action stuff. Like so, it sounds like you've had a pretty productive 2017 so far. It feels like it when it's when you acknowledge the, the achievements you've made, and then other times of the day you're just you know you look at everybody else that's surpassing you which is something you should never do but you know that's human nature I think that's just in us to to do that so if you accidentally start feeling envy of all yep. of the people surpassing you then you know it's it gets really overwhelming you're like oh, but I suck well and the other thing too though is because uh, I totally agree with you I feel like um I feel like my frustration comes from a few different places. Number one, I feel like I'm older than most of the people that I hang out with online. You know oh, what I mean? Like yeah, well, in, me too. in our writing communities <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, I'm going to be 43 in July. And so. High five. Uh, me, I'm going to be 45 in August. Yeah, so. a high five to you too. And I, I, and I feel like the online writing community that I've sort of fallen into over the past few years or so has, is predominantly late like mid to late twenties with a few early thirties mixed in. And so I feel like I'm kind of a, almost like a decade older than most of the people that I talk about writing with on a regular basis. And so uh, to me that, that is somewhat anxiety provoking because I always feel like I am behind no matter what I might've just released a book. I might've, you know, I, I might be working on five different projects, but I, I always feel like I'm behind because I can't get past this idea that I got a really late start with my writing. Um, I think my first book came out, I'm going to say maybe 2012 ish. So, you know, it's been about five years or, or I'm in my fifth year or whatever of actually, you know, trying to, to put my writing out there for people. And uh, I just feel like I started so late. And so that, has kind of been weighing on me lately because I've had, I have right now, I have one, two, three, three books and a novella that are written, but in various stages of editing. Mm -hmm. And so nothing is coming out right now. And that's been my great anxiety over the past, you know, few months is just this, this um, feeling like I'm in this place of working on a lot of stuff, but not actually producing anything. And that is super anxiety provoking for me because when I first started writing, it was it was easy in the sense that when I put my first book out there, I had that one book and then I finished it, you know, and I had waited years to actually polish it up and, and put it out there. But once that was out there and I was working on my second book, like it, it felt very linear. And over the past couple of years, because I've had multiple projects that I'm working on, it feels less linear. So the the whole sort of 
you know, uh, work on this one thing, polish this one thing up, get this one thing out, work on the next thing, polish that up, get it out like that. I felt like I was on a pretty clear trajectory at one point in time and that I, I could measure sort of where I was at at every step in that process. And now I feel like I have a lot of stuff going on, but none of it is actually coming to clear fruition. And that makes me very anxious because in my mind, even though that's not correct, like I, until it's done and it's out there, I don't feel like I've made it. I've, that thing is not made yet until right. it's out, you know? Yeah, no, I absolutely. I agree. Um, I, I like to see something be finished and that's why, um, unless there's some particular reason, like a hard deadline, I have no problem putting other things on the back burner Yep. in order to get that done and, and feel the accomplishment. Because to me, this is something that I learned from a lifetime of dieting, because um, most diets are absolutely terrible. And, sure. uh, you know, the one who gets made fun of the absolute most is the one I think that makes the most sense, and that's Richard Simmons. Uh-huh. Um, and things that he says to do are, you know, make things um, realistically achievable. And so when you're doing something like weight loss, instead of thinking about I have 100 pounds to lose or I have 50 pounds to lose, you would be thinking in smaller scale, like what needs to be done this week or what needs to be done today? So when it's, you know, whether it's writing or house chores, um, it's, you know, I've, I just have this built-in philosophy now after hearing that, you know, when I was like a teenager, because um, my mother was a big Richard Simmons fan. So I've heard Richard Simmons my whole life. And sure. so, um, so back from my youth, I've, you know, started to, to try to practice this more about, you know, making things scaled down so that, you know, you you feel the progress. And that's actually one of the cool things about writing is when you look at metrics, some people, some people get really hung up on different things, but um, like, like word count, like your, you know, whatever your daily word count goal is sure. or something like that. And I'm like, that's why I get so excited by the little charts. <laughs> I'm like, I love to see the charts move. And it's because you, you want to see progress. And it, that just goes for absolutely anything, any part of life. And, uh, you know, that's my little secret is to, to scale things down and to, you know, just put some blinders on and figure out what's, you know, what the task at hand is. I hated multitasking when it came to be a big deal in like the 80s. I rejected it then. I reject it now. I think job titles that say multitasking and must thrive under pressure are shit. I, I don't think that's a proper way to exist and be productive. So. But I think well, one thing that you were saying to me the other day when we were kind of talking about this as we were kind of thinking about, oh, okay, well, what are what are we going to talk about for the show was, you know, the idea of giving yourself credit for the making part of things. And that's where I am really bad at that with myself. Like, for example, like this morning, I, I before we re are recording today, I had edited a couple videos for one of the YouTube channels. I had, you know, edited a podcast. I had done a bunch of stuff with that. But I don't tend to give myself credit for that because yes, that's not, you know. It, but so, it is and, something. It is. Oh, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's producing it's you know drafting up the content and that's you know that's one of those things where for some podcasters they they do things i don't know more on the fly and they record live they might like fade the music in and out as they're recording so they have no post-production and boom their show is up like uh, you know not for me that's not how i that's just not how i do it i put the music in later sometimes if if it's required, I have to do a great amount of editing to take out traffic noises or, or something. And then I write up the show notes, which, you know, sometimes are extensive and sometimes less so. But it's always a, at least a page of show notes. And, you know, just other other people don't do that. So a one-hour show for me is three to four hours of work. Sure. And for you, it's, you know, the same thing. It's like, well, you might have drafted, you know, blog content that's 500 or 700 words, but it's not towards a book. So you still have to count it as work and it's work, right. work done. That's yeah, totally. Like I wrote a, a blog post for um, the 
the blog sort of uh, collective that Jolene had started is called Midnight Society, and the website is MidnightSocietyTales.com, I think. And so we all have, like, days of the week that we post on, and I just did one on Saturday for um, about Twin Peaks because the new Twin Peaks is back. And uh, I was just writing about, you know, the, the horror elements of that and things like that. But, like, exactly, those are things that you have to kind of mentally give yourself credit for because they may not be – a piece of the quote-unquote big project that you're working on, but it's creating. You're writing. You're doing something. You're producing. You're doing that kind of stuff. And so I've, I've really tried to switch my mindset lately from, um, you know, this sort of all-or-nothing kind of mentality or the, you know, it has to be this many words or this, that, or the other thing, and more toward, like, this notion of am I investing time in the projects that I'm working on? So if I, you know, if I spent an hour or two hours a day working on different things, that's the measuring stick for me. Like, did I put time into my projects today? And if that is happening consistently on a daily basis and that is, um, you know, and I can string days together where I'm spending time each day working on things, then that's where I'm kind of shifting my mindset to as opposed to like, is this thing out yet or you know, have I finished this thing yet? Or is this, you know, is this up in the store yet? Or that kind of stuff, because that, those are much less frequent, you know? And I think that it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. Like, you know, and plus I think for our, you know, for yourself, you're your own worst critic anyways. You know, I was like, man, it's been forever since I put any books out or anything. Well, that's not really true. I, I just put out a revised version of my podcast book like last month. And then you know, I had done a book of short stories and I was like, ah, oh, that was so long ago. It was September of 2016. So yeah, it was so like, not that long ago. yeah, right. So it's not even. It's and you had a short story and in, in the pizza anthology. Right, exactly. The pizza anthology came out uh, in 2017 and, and yeah. there was uh, a story in there, a story which I love because it's connected to another project that Julian and I are working on. And so it is um, that that's sort of the thing that I've been thinking a lot about is how how quick we are sometimes to minimize our own creative process in our own, because I, like, I love talking to other people about their creative process. I mean, you, we just talked about how you were on the C. Brian Wright podcast and I come on here and, you know, we do this a lot for our podcast, right? As we talk to other people about the things that they're making and how they make them. And I'm always so fascinated by that. And I always have such a respect for that, you know, process in other people, myself, I don't give anywhere near the same amount of credit or even recognition for the amount of hours or the amount of time or, or just having to juggle that schedule and make those things happen and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just interesting how we are so dismissive of ourselves a lot of time, or at least I know that's the case for me, when someone else who is doing the exact same thing, you can look at that person and, and objectively say like, wow, isn't that amazing? You know, look at all this stuff that they're doing and look at all these projects that they have going. And then when it's you, it's like, no, I don't see anything. I, I do. And like I said, it's something that, you know, I always remind myself. I hear my I hear it in my brain as like the other side of my brain is trying to be super critical. Um, you know, I'll be like, this person has, a, you know, their, their book just came out. It's a big publisher or it's whatever, even if it's a smaller publisher. It's, you know, the branch of a branch of a branch of a big publisher. And, uh, you know, and meanwhile, they're married with two kids and they've got to, you know, run their kids all through school and they have, a, you know, a job and they still, you know. And I, that's what goes through my head. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, and on top of all of that, they make money, like lots right. of money. So right. that's their living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just try to just say you know especially in this day and age where we can lose you know i can lose my health care and literally any second um so it's i just tried to try to find any bit of relief where i can and sometimes you have to make it like i've been tweaking my uh little like my bedroom area and my outside porch area, I've just been making little tweaks to try to make things feel comfortable and visually look like I want them so that they're visually relaxing and pretty and that it's, the you know, things that I want, things that I, I mean, I still have stuff in storage for like, it's like eight years now I've had stuff in storage. It's like, it's like, I know I own this, but where the hell is it? 
you know. And so, yeah. so, you know, so that's why a, part of the you know, like other people post like a gazillion pictures of their fitness stuff, and like you know, I don't do that. So I post a gazillion cat pictures because it's like that's that's my time, that's my therapy. First of all, uh, this cat he is an attention whore. Um, he just he's ridiculous sometimes. Um, he started at four in the morning today, and he didn't start taking a nap until about a half an hour ago, which it was noon. So um, he ha- was just going and going and going and going and excited, and it just needed a lot of attention. So I figure it's a lot like having a toddler uh, in my head. Um, probably a lot cleaner, though, because children are sticky. Um well, but as you, know. you said, like that that's that's very therapeutic, right? And I think that um you know, I think even just in the the first 15 minutes of us kind of talking about that stuff, like there is a lot of stuff out there that can be I think overwhelming and sap your sort of creative energy, right? Whether it's the politics stuff, whether it's just daily life and and whatever situation that you might be going through because you know, the other thing that's clear too is when when any of us talk to each other, you spend time around anybody else, like you, you find out they're all, everybody's dealing with something, right? Whether it is their own physical or mental health, whether it is someone that's close to them that's, you know, affected by something, whether it's job issues, whether it's healthcare issues, what there's, all of us are sort of dealing with something. And then if you are, you know, if you're a, a person who likes to create things, you are then trying to manage through that and still have the energy to make something and put something out there and and share that with other people. And I think that's one of the first things that can be affected is your sort of creative energy so that when you do have that downtime or you do have a few minutes here or there, you know, the ability to sit down and focus and actually make something a lot of times is what gets sapped by all of the other stuff that's going on. And so one of these things that I, I love to sort of talk about and, in my work life, this this comes up a lot when I'm doing trainings and things like that is this notion of resiliency, right, of like what what you do to keep yourself resilient. What are the things that you do that you feel are therapeutic or that you feel are recharging your creative batteries so that you can kind of keep that elasticity and when stuff is going on, you can bounce back and you can continue to create and continue to make stuff. And it's different for every person. Um, for me lately, what I've been doing is going back to – the things that creatively inspire me, like um, I'm so happy that Twin Peaks is back because I find David Lynch as a creator to be just immensely inspiring. And I know that Twin Peaks is something that's not really for everybody. Um, and I totally get that because it's it's um, it's a very particular way of presenting things that David Lynch has. But I find him as a person and, and his thoughts about creativity to be extremely inspirational. I just read his book, which is called Catching the Big Fish, and there's a subtitle in there somewhere, but he he talks a lot about transcendental meditation, which I, you know, I've never done, and and I've never been huge into meditation. I do want to learn more about it, but a lot of what he does is really tied into that, but the book itself is about, like, ideas and how he thinks about ideas and what he thinks, you know, how he thinks they're generated and how he thinks that you build on ideas and and staying true to your ideas and things like that. And so having read that over the past few weeks, having seen the new Twin Peaks episodes that have come out, like I'm, I'm on a huge David Lynch kick right now. And it's really helping to recharge my creative batteries and remind me about the things that sort of inspired a lot of what I create in the first place. And so that's, that's where I, that's where I'm trying to get some of my resilience back is, is really going back to what I feel like are my roots in terms of the things that inspire me and kind of, soaking them up a little bit more and, and reminding myself of like, oh yeah, some of these things are what made me want to write in the first place. Or some of these things are why I love horror or why I love things that are just super weird and that kind of stuff. And so that's where I've been lately. And I feel like it's, it's really helping me get back to, you know, sort of get my groove back, you know? I love that. And I, and it's, it's definitely, um, like you said, it's invigorating in a whole new way when somebody you love has put out new content. That's how I get when there's a new season of Grey's and Frankie or, you know, or something else that I really enjoy. Sure. Um, like uh, Kimmy Schmidt just had another new season come out. And it's, you know, you do, you feel a new breath uh, of energy come out. 
Um, and yes, I definitely recommend meditating and you're going to think that you're terrible and you're going to think you can't do it. And I struggle, struggle, struggle hard with it, but it's, yeah, I still recommend trying um, and not giving up after the first five seconds because your brain. I'm very interested in yeah, it. Your brain will be everywhere else. Like my, my brain right. will start doing to do lists and, and everything and it's, you know, but it's, it's really great to still do it every single day. I've kind of dabbled in it over the years. I, uh, years and years and years ago when I had in my first job out of college, which was I used to uh, run um, group homes for teenagers that were like in the custody of the state and stuff like that. And, and there was a, there was a free uh, martial arts class that we were, that our agency had a relationship with this guy who used to teach martial arts. And so we got to take this class for free. And at the end of every class, he used to do meditation with us. And it was, it was great. And I really loved it. Um, and I've tried different things over the years. I recently downloaded the uh, Headspace app just to kind of try it out. And I kind of like some of what that's doing. I also used to do kind of some meditation around bedtime and things like that, because as part of the horror series that I write, there's a lot of stuff that is about like lucid dreaming and, and the dream state and sort of astral projection and all that kind of stuff. And so I was really heavy into researching that and, and sort of trying some of that stuff for myself at the time. Um, so I've dabbled, but I've never had like a consistent meditation routine. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's one thing that I really want to kind of add to my routine because I do need that. I do need time to just sort of be, and be in the moment and, and sort of and ground myself, you know? Right. And there, there are different styles of meditation so just like there are tons of different yoga practices, there's, sure. you know, a lot of people might have like one particular idea in their head and, you know, somebody just thinks, oh, maybe you're just like sitting on a rock and chanting cross-legged in an uncomfortable position. And it's like, well, that might be one way, but you know what, there's like a hundred other types too. So um, it's, when, when there's such a category that's, that's just broad, like meditation, it's like, find something, keep testing and experimenting your, with yourself and figure out, you know, what is the least uncomfortable, let's put it that way, because a lot of times it's going to start out uncomfortable no matter what. Um, but even like, you know, it's summer here, so if you like being outside, or even if you don't, I, I, I don't like being outside, but this cat has gotten me to go outside more because he loves it. So it's, so there's like walking meditations you can do. And, you know, you think about each foot being placed down at a, you know, and, and just think of things that matter every foot, single footstep or think about, you know, one particular mantra with each footstep, whether, you know, it's something like you said, resilience. If you want to, you know, think just about resilience during that sure. time or think just about joy during that time and what, you know, so you can find something and that's what, you know, my little walks, you know, with the cat are, are like, it's like, Oh, look, there's a bunny. So it's, to me, that's my nature time. I'm like, sure. there's a, there's a bunny, there's another bunny, there's a deer. Oh, here's a flower. I wonder what this is. And it's not really, you know, so that's not meditating, but it's at least 10 to 15 minutes of trying to do something that I really like parts of me enjoy, but other parts of me don't like my skin. Sure. My skin is absolutely like hating it. <laughs> um, there, it's like it's like at any second gonna just peel off my body and say I'm yeah, right. staying indoors. Yep. <laughs> so long, sucker. Um, so that's you know that's something that when it comes to animal therapy or whatever your you know pet therapy is, um, he pushes my limits in that way. In that he really enjoys something, so I try to you know, do that with him. And when the dog was around, we would take the dog up out to the state park. So it was like, oh, a park. Okay, first of all, not only do we have to drive there, even though it's close, but it was just like, there's other people there. There's, oh, it's like, oh, my God, there's other people. And it's like, and some of these people are city people that come out and, like, that's their idea of a barbecue spot. Sure. So they've got their loud music blasting and, you know, a dozen cars in the parking lot. And it's just like... It's like, if you're going to make this much noise, why did you come out to a secluded nature area? Right. Their idea of that space is very different than your idea of that space and like what right. it, what it is, what its purpose is. Right. Yeah. So it would just be like, okay, 
But the dog's enjoying this. The dog's really enjoying this. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's why animals are great in general, because they, uh, number one, just the, the, the companionship and, and the sort of love that, the pure kind of love that animals have is just awesome, and everybody should experience that, and, uh, and they're great for that. But, but yeah, like, it, like you said, and then pushing you to, to do things. Like, I, my dog is up every morning by 6 a.m., and he will not let me go back to sleep until I take him out for a walk. Like he's, he, he's now trained me to know that when he comes in in the morning and starts hovering and, and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, licking my face and, and, and he'll just sit there and continue to start making noise until it's time, you know, to go outside. So we went for our walk this morning and I am using those times to really just kind of, just kind of think about stuff and, and, you know, let ideas come to me and things like that. And, and, uh, I think you would probably like this book by David Lynch. It's not too heavy on, you know, that transcendental meditation is like the way and you have to do this. But I mean, he, it's sort of a thread that he weaved throughout the book. But even if you could care less about meditation, like there's just the way that this guy talks about ideas and creativity and being true to your idea and not letting people um, sort of dictate to you what that needs to be, I think is super inspiring. Um, And that's why I love the new Twin Peaks so much is that he he doesn't feel the need to explain it to anyone and he doesn't necessarily even care if people, I mean, he wants people to like it, but at the end of the day, like it's his thing and he put it out there the way that he wanted to put it out there and people can have whatever reaction they want to have to it. Um, and it's kind of amazing in that way. And that's why I really love this new version of Twin Peaks is because it doesn't have any of the sort of studio interference that the original series had when he, you know, put it out there, uh, especially the second season of the original series. But this one is like unfiltered David Lynch and it's super weird. And, you know, it's just uh, it just is what it is. And it's kind of cool to be watching that. But then to also the audiobook version is the one I've been listening to and he narrates it. So you're basically hearing him talk about all this stuff. And it's just really that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's super great in terms of inspiration. And then I've been going back and reading I'm a huge Clive Barker fan. He's probably my favorite modern horror author. And so I've been going back and reading all of his short stories. They have like several volumes of the early collections of his short stories. And they're just so good. And they're so out there. And it's that stuff is where sort of I go back to whenever I need to kind of refresh my creative foundation and be like, okay, these were the things that inspired me before. This is why I started doing this in the first place. Like, it's easy to kind of lose track of that sometimes, especially when you're caught up in your own projects and your own sort of day-to-day life. So it's it's awesome that those things exist to go back to and Absolutely. to kind of, you know, take another drink from the well. Yeah. And, and in fact, so you mentioned two things that I want to sort of tap into, um, you know, about your love of that there's a new Twin Peaks and, and not having constraints. Um, Grace and Frankie is a Netflix original it's an extremely white privileged show. I'm just going to throw that out there. There's like, Mm -hmm. um, yes, there's one son who's African American and, um, one son who the, the white son who is uh, a recovering drug addict. So it's not that it's that their lives are perfect. It's, you know, it's, it's like, Oh, well, one's really successful and one's in recovery and not sure whether to trust him or not. Um, it's, but the but the main characters, Grace and Frankie themselves, you know, 70-year-old women who are restarting their lives and, you know, getting going through divorces and starting up businesses, you know, trying to keep up their creativity because one was very creative with products. You know, she she ran a cosmetics company, and so she was creative that way with coming up with something but all business-minded. And then there's, uh, so that's Grace, and Frankie is an artist. So she's more of the bohemian hippie artist. Sure. So there's there's two inspiring women in their 70s who, you know, even though, yes, they have all of this wealth and privilege, but, you know, backing them, it's it still can be kind of inspiring and motivating to just be like, oh, but look at, you know, look at, you know, not just like to be envious and covet, oh, look at the things that they have, but it's just like, 
look at how they think. Look at how they're not just like, sure, at, you know, like at 70, they're not just saying, okay, well, you know, I'm going to sit here and, and um, you know, wonder why my grandkids aren't calling. You know, like they're not just withering away in, in anywhere. They're really, right. really active. So I think that they're cool and inspiring in that way. Um, and uh, but I, I like I, I totally get that because I think the other thing that you take inspiration from, which is probably the same thing I take from like where David Lynch is at, because David Lynch, I want to say I'm, I might be wrong about this, but I want to say he's 71 now. Um, wow. When he did the first run of Twin Peaks, he was about our age. He was about 44, 45 when he did that first run of Twin Peaks. 25 years later, he gets to come back to that and basically do it the way that he wanted to do it the first time around, you know, to, to, to revisit this thing that he loved so much, but that kind of got ruined by being on a major network and all this kind of stuff. And now he gets to come back and do it exactly the way that he wants. And many of the people that he originally made it with are still here to be able to come back. And, uh, and those that weren't, he was able to actually, um, do some stuff with them before they passed. And so they're, they're a part of the show in different ways. And even people who had passed in the meantime, he was able to, go back and use some of the old stuff to kind of bring their presence back into the new show and stuff. But here he is at 71 and he's getting to revisit this and, and do it, you know, his way. And I think that for me, like once you cross 40 years old, or at least this is my headset right now, I feel like the future is no longer this nebulous thing that it was when you were 20 or 25 or even 30. And it's not infinite the way that it used to be before. It's very clearly, you know, you get the, into this mindset of like, I am over halfway done with my life. Um, and if, if I'm looking at the health history of, you know, people in my family, I might be two thirds done with my life at this point in time. And so you have this notion of like, there, this, there is no more infinite future. And so you really start to get stuck on like, okay, well, what have I done? What have I created? Have I, how many of these uh, creations do I have left in this time? And you really start like, I can get sort of stuck in that headspace. And so I think the thing that I take the most inspiration from now are people who are older than me, who are <laughs> still doing the things that I want to do and are making things happen or getting to revisit things like Lynch and come back and do the thing that the way that, you know, he wanted to do. Or, you know, you look at Stephen King's, the, the, the um, Dark Tower finally coming to fruition, like that kind of stuff. Like it's kind of, I look for, I'm, I'm looking more for hope now. You know, because you always have this kind of blanket of, I don't want to say dread, but it is kind of in the sense that when you think too hard about the future, you see the end of it for yourself. And so you kind of, you're look. I'm looking for hope now. And so a lot of the things that I'm consuming now and the things that I'm really tapped into now are in one way or another giving me hope um, for things that I still am going to be able to do. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, no, it's absolutely great. And it's, you know, it's a beautiful philosophy. Um, you know, I always, you know, semi-joked, tried to make it sound funny, that, you know, that I was the most hopeful, depressed person in the world. <laughs> um, because I, I did always have hope. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that's, I think it's sad when you feel hopeless. I think it's uh, to to reach that point of despair is, I've felt despair i felt the the absolute like shakespearean level of despair sure um so it you know it's when when you find hope it's it's really great and and even if it's just like you said even if it's something like okay this you know this creator that i love has something new coming out um or if it's something old that you never experienced before, like, you know, you were mentioning, sure. uh, you meant like Stephen King. Um, I just read Carrie uh, because I was afraid to read it my entire life. I was afraid to read it. And I thought, well, you know what? I could probably, I said, I, I like, in my, I know he does sort of different types of things. Sure. You know, they're not always different, different sort of uh, sort of gradations of horror. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like some of it might be simply like supernatural, but not really terrifying. Correct. So, yeah. so I was like, you know, maybe I, maybe I should give one of these a try. And so um, I think I think it was for Christmas. I got Carrie and, and I read it. And I, mind you, I read it without having seen any of the movies. Sure. 
Um, I've seen, obviously, like, the scene because everybody has seen It's inescapable, the scene. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, something that's that's there. It's a meme. Um, so I read it, and, I, you know, part of what worried me was that this guy is so brilliant, I'm not going to understand. I'm going to have a comprehension problem reading his work. And and I didn't. It was, like, it was fantastic. Um that's actually one of the things I really appreciate about Stephen King is he writes – he has this kind of everyman quality to the way that he writes that um, makes me feel good as a creator who who I feel like has a similar writing style. Like I'm not this great polisher of words that every sentence sounds like it is musical, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and that's what I like about Stephen King is yeah. he writes in a very sort of um, down-to-earth way. Yeah. Well, see, one of the reasons that I was scared is because some of the books that he has look like tomes. I mean, like, I mean, oh, they, for sure. they're massive. And it's like, ugh, you know, it's like when the Harry Potters started getting that long, I'm like, no. Right, right. So, you know, so I was just like, oh, Jesus, this is what he's like. But then after, you know, I listen to on writing every once in a while, and, and I I love having that on audio. Um, because, again, it's his voice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, hearing the part about when he got the Carrie book deal is so inspiring. I mean, dirt poor couple, you know, health problems, scream, you know, kid, like just baby. It was just like, like such a difficult life. And, and he had a difficult childhood. So it was just one of those things like hearing that part about the Carrie book deal. And I was, I, I was just like, that is a he got his dream come true and it was you right. know from the from the ground up so i i love his work ethic cuz i mean the he had like he did not even have like the ability to function properly after that guy uh, that drunk driver hit him on the yeah. side, you know he was walking yep. on the side of the road his daily walk and he was like obliterated physically by this drunk driver so um you know to rebuild his own body you know like bionically bigger stronger and faster right. um <laughs> you know so he he sat there and if it was like one keystroke at a time because god bless his wife you know she set up a tray and a typewriter <laughs> and was just like okay here's your writing space <laughs> so that he could wheel himself into it or hobble or how you know i i don't know how many how long he was in a wheelchair i don't remember but um you know from from wheelchair back to functioning, uh, and he kept writing. The but what a lesson oh. in, like, appreciating the process, right? Because we yeah. talked about that when we first started, this whole idea of, like, not giving yourself credit for the amount of work that you put into something today because you don't have the finished product to sort of show. And then you look at someone like uh, Stephen King who has gone through that, who literally had to fight to get to a point where he could write at all again, never mind releasing anything, never mind putting out any more books, but actually being able to do the process of creating ever again, he had to get that back, you know? And so when you think about how terrifying that would be to actually lose that, it it gives you a heck of a lot more appreciation for the process because like he almost lost that. And Um, and there's obviously a lot of fear when it comes to tragic situations. Like, you know, some people, when, if something like that physically happens to them, and he was in recovery, you know, then to think of now he's probably, you know, back on pain meds and what's going to happen. And, you know, it's like there's a lot of I, I mean, I don't know what he feels inside as as being afraid or fearful of anything. Because to me, I, I imagine he's fearless. Um, I imagine that there's nothing that can scare him. But right after that, after that. But I, you know, what probably did like the ability to not write if something had happened to him like on a mental level with his brain like uh did you ever seen the movie regarding henry yes oh my uh, god oh uh, oh my god i don't know how many times i cried uh, through that amazing movie. movie so you know like when something mentally changes and you are not the same person it's like did that did you just lose something or did you gain something and how yeah. are, you know where is the fear was the fear before or is the fear now i i just there's just so much to handle yeah. in those kinds of And I moments. feel like as you get older, like those things have a greater emotional impact on you, right? Because you're 
you feel like you're closer to that one thing that could change everything forever than you were when you were 20. Right. And Absolutely. so and, and, and maybe that's just the whole midlife crisis thing. And, and I'm, I'm sure know. I'm sure it is, because like I, like I said, right now, now everybody's like, holy crap, you know, what's going to happen to health insurance? And, right. you know, when you're freaking 17 years old, you don't give a shit. You're just going to get in your car and you don't care if you're wearing your seatbelt or not. And, you know, you just assume that things are going to eventually work out, yeah. and, you know, because like, yeah, you have the time. Yeah. And even if it's not the time, even if you just like have that James Dean kind of life where you're just like, eh, sure. I'm meant to die. I'm just meant to die. You know, it's, you know, you, you kind of have that, I don't know, that uh, I, I guess it's a blessing <laughs> to not worry about stuff. Yeah, it's it's just that it, the whole immortality of being young, you know, where you feel like the future is this really nebulous thing that goes on for a very long time. And so you, you're not too stuck in the moment about that stuff, you know, whereas I feel like the the older you get, it becomes like you think a lot more about that it's not infinite anymore. And so it it puts a lot more pressure on each moment now, which is where you, it's easy to kind of get in your own headspace about, I'm not doing enough. I'm not making enough. You know, like I'm not, I haven't achieved enough goals. I haven't gotten to the place that I want to be, or I'm not working hard enough to get there. And, and that in and of itself becomes sort of a, a really uh, disempowering way of thinking. Yeah. Because it slows down the moment, you know, it, 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 you're actually not spending time making something because you're upset with yourself for, for not making right. enough. You're you're you know? you're making it yeah. harder yeah, exactly. for yourself. You're putting another barrier up. Yeah. Um. So, but how's your time? Are you doing okay with time so far? Yeah, I got like ten, fifteen more minutes. Okay. Um. Okay. So since uh, you know, we've talked about our uh, sort of like creative heroes and and motivating things. Uh, is there anybody, whether it's the creative industry or some other industry, that you look for to to feel courage come back to you? Like, do you ever, you know, is that something that that ever concerns you? Like, um, yeah, well, I mean, I th I definitely feel like right now I'm very, you know, kind of keyed into the whole David Lynch thing just because of what's happening with his stuff now and, and sort of coming back uh, from that. I mean, I think. I'm extremely fortunate, and, and, you know, you had Jolene and I on, on the show before, and I, I feel extremely fortunate in that um, I get to work with Jolene Haley, who is uh, sort of the co-writer of not just the Woods v. Murder series, but another series that people will hear about in the near future, and she is uh, at least 11 years younger than me. I can't, I forget exactly how much, but she's, she's in that uh, aforementioned group of younger writers, to me younger, I'm sure she would probably tell you that she's not you know <laughs> but uh so that being close with someone who and creating with someone who there is that gap I think is really helpful for me because she is the first one to be like stop it you're not old stop being you know ridiculous and you know this is this is uh she she is like the eternal optimist and she is a just a beacon of positivity and inspiration to anybody that interacts with her. And I'm sure anybody that knows her would, would vouch for that as well. And so she's great for me in that, um, you know, having that partnership and, and being able to work on projects with her gives me strength and inspiration, even when I'm working on stuff that we're not doing together. And so that's, you know, that's really a huge inspiration for me and she's fantastic. And, and we are, extremely close friends through the, the stuff that we've kind of made together. So, so definitely I have that link personally. Um, my, my kids right now are in an interesting space because they're of the age where they're starting to enjoy the same things that I do. So I have a daughter who's into horror mm -hmm. and I have a son who's into comic books and video games. And so all uh, of which I love all of those things. And he's also into music and I'm a huge music fan. And so um, being able to share things with them gives me another excuse to go back and revisit things like like I just talked about before and, and figure out like what would be the horror movie that I would take my daughter to see or what, you know, kind of book um, should I should I uh, recommend to her and that kind of stuff. And she's getting old enough where she can read the YA stuff that Jolene and I have sort of done together. And so um, they are providing a conduit for me to go back to these uh, things that I grew up with that I really loved because I I want to kind of curate some of that stuff and share it with them and, and make sure that they get to experience it, even if they don't care about it as much as I do or love it as much as I do or whatever. Um, 
you know, we all just went to see Wonder Woman yesterday. Uh, and my, my wife went too because she is not a superhero fan at all, not big into comics at all. But Wonder Woman was, you know, growing up her superhero. And so we got to go see that together. And that experiencing that stuff with the kids is hugely inspirational to me and makes me very emotional whenever I go to, to see that. I've been joking with people over the past 24 hours that I cried pretty much throughout the entire movie of Wonder Woman. I love it. Uh, from like start to finish from the second the music came on because uh, it just feels like they got it so right in so many ways. And, and it makes me feel like, because for me, Spider-Man was the hero that I grew up with that was, you know, if you ever asked me who my favorite superhero was, my son's name is Parker, if that tells you anything. So, <laughs> um, But the first time the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie came to the big screen, I remember seeing the trailer for that and like getting choked up watching the trailer just because because it was happening like it was coming to the big screen and then when it did and and how he um you know some people call it silly but what i thought it was full of was heart you know and, and just him capturing that whole great power and great responsibility of peter parker and i felt like wonder woman did that so perfectly that it instantly became like that and the first raimi spider-man are now my two favorite superhero movies of all time because they they both had heart and they both had hope. And that's what, to me, the Wonder Woman movie gets so right. Gal Gadot is so freaking good. Um, that movie is just so great. And one of the things that makes it absolutely wonderful is the message of hope. Because, you know, you mentioned politics before. We talked about, you know, getting older and that sort of existential dread that comes and all that kind of stuff. And, like, we need more hope. And so I am very inspired by things now that give me hope, whether it's a creator getting to revisit a work that they did years ago and now get to do it the right way, whether it's somebody getting their first big break, whether it's, you know, someone finally being recognized for things that I've appreciated about them forever. Um, those kind of things give me hope, not just hope for myself, but hope for all of us and, and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that that's sort of where, I go now is um, I go back to the things that I grew up with to remind me why they inspired me in the first place. And I look for hope wherever I can find it. And there are plenty of examples out there if you look close enough. And, um, you know, and the Wonder Woman one is just the latest. Like, I would recommend Wonder Woman to everyone, whether you like superhero movies or not, whether you like it's just a, a fantastic movie. So. Um, so, yeah. Hope, hope and inspiration. Those are my two sort of anchors now. And uh, and there's a lot of it out there if you look. That's excellent. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to wrap up in a second. So, um, but yeah, that. so you have hope and inspiration. And I, as I said, I always love those words. I love just playing, you know, like sort of speaking those words in my head over and over again. Uh, as as like a mantra to keep going, but um, another thing that I it, it's only recently occurred to me, and it was it was actually in the last yoga class that I took. I, I love going to see different teachers because you always pick up something else. Oh, definitely. So uh, you know, unfortunately, I drove like an hour and a half to to have this experience, but it was beautiful, and um, I and I really appreciated it. But she focused not only on inhaling in order to, you know, bring oxygen in, but she also focused a lot on exhaling and what it means to just expel everything that's, you know, that you're releasing. Like, yep. this, it's the stress. It's not only scientifically the carbon dioxide. It's, I mean, there's, you, you can't just ignore half of your breath and, you know, so the energy is because of the whole cycle. It's not just the inhale. Oh, oxygen, yay, and my brain's happy. It's the exhale is equally as important. You have to make room for other things. And yeah, you have to get rid of those things yeah. that you're holding on to, right? And to me, like, uh, that's why uh, someone was making fun of me for crying at Wonder Woman the other day. And my kids laugh all the time because I literally cry at, like I, I, I was ended up getting in a Twitter conversation with the University of Phoenix a couple of weeks ago because I started crying watching one of their commercials. Oh. And I had tweeted about like, I can't believe I was crying watching this University of Phoenix commercial. And then they tweeted back to me. And so we ended up having this great discussion. But yeah, like 
crying is good. <laughs> like, it is. It, 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 it really is. And, you know, and and comfort. I mean, obviously, things in moderation, like I realize, you know, <laughs> delicious martinis can be, you know, a comfort. Oh, sure, but, yeah. But, you know, moderate, moderate. Yep. So I said something about um, having self-care the other day, and that included – a marathon of like death in paradise and eating a giant Moe's tofu burrito. There you go. And because I mean, the thing was like, was the size of a cat. I mean, it was huge and I ate the whole thing. And it was funny when, you know, like Moe's official tweets back to you and like, that sounds like a great day. And they quote like whatever the hell I was watching. Like, I'm like, this is hilarious that they got. I know it is. It's kind of so weird, but also awesome in a lot of ways, how connected yeah, you could be to that stuff, you know. It's so it was so anyway. So it was one of those things where it was like not only was I enjoying my burrito, but then like they just made me laugh, and it felt good. And but I, I love that I love idea it. that you talked about with the yoga about like the exhaling, like the getting out of, and that's why like I tend to really gravitate towards things that are very cathartic for me. I do I do like uh, I'm a heavy metal fan. I'm a horror fan, and as much as those things um, can seem from the outsider's perspective, like. Oh, you're just scaring yourself, or oh, you like to listen to this music that a lot of people don't think even makes sense. Absorbing there's a catharsis so much violence. to it. Yeah, correct. But there's this catharsis to it where it is helping you exhale. It's helping you let go uh, of uh, some of that stuff, and so that that's what that stuff has always sort of been for me. Um, and but it's wherever you find it, you know, whether whether it's in um, a movie like Wonder Woman or whether it's in the heavy metal song or whatever it is, but that's, it's all part of that sort of um, resiliency thing. Like you gotta, you can't hold on to everything um, because it doesn't, if you don't let it go anywhere, then it's just eating away at you. Yeah. And so you got to get rid of it. And so, um, and, and remember the important part of resiliency is that you have to be flexible, like bend like the willow because otherwise you'll just snap. Yep. You know, that's, that's an old thing from, I don't even remember where, but yeah, I always probably use, like, like from rubber band. Food. Yeah, rubber yeah, band. Yeah, exactly, right? I always use that rubber band analogy where it's basically like, you know, the rubber band is meant to be stretched. It's meant to, but if you don't take care of yourself, then you lose that elasticity, you yeah. know, and your ability to sort of bounce back from stuff. So, yeah, so resiliency, uh, it doesn't mean being a pushover. It doesn't mean being so strong that you've become stagnant or obstinate. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to, you, you have to move. You have to enjoy the energy, the inhaling and the exhaling. Keep going with it. Like, that's why I love, I mean, willow trees, first of all, are really beautiful to look at anyway. So, um, you know, so just, uh, you know, we'll keep our motivation like that going. Like, think of Yes, these, exactly. Think of these wonderful word, words like hope and inspiration and motivation. And then you can go back to listen to my other episodes of how depressed I am and laugh at me. <laughs> but, you know, hey, it's it, that's how... But we're trying I'm pretty to sure if everybody just goes to see Wonder Woman this week, like that. That will cure. Is a great elixir for whatever's bothering you right now. Like I, I'm going next weekend. So. Oh, it's such a joy. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I will cry too. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Like I just want to go right now and watch it again. And it made me want to go back and watch those original um, Spidey movies. And there's a great quote out there. I don't have it in front of me, but I'll leave you with this. Um, Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman has a great quote out there that is going to be easy for people to find on Google about the word cheesy and why she doesn't allow it in her vocabulary. And it basically comes down to um, her whole philosophy about not being ashamed of the hopefulness and not being ashamed of the, the sort of um, the positivity and the optimism. And she talks about how at some point it became uncool for people to have that sort of hope. And and I think that that brings me back to that Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man. Well, by the time they got to Spider-Man 3, everybody was so jaded that they, mm-hmm. you know, saw the things like Peter Parker, um, you know, slicking his hair back and dancing around, you know, uh, as edgy, you know, to Peter Parker as being super cheesy and super, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. But that's kind of just the way that Raimi I like approaches Raimi. that yeah. stuff. And he doesn't apologize for it, you know. Yeah. And I think that you'll see that in Wonder Woman. There, There's a, an optimism. There's plenty of darkness in that movie, too. But there is this through line. And there's a great quote by uh, Wonder Woman about, you know, love being the thing that's going to save the world that I think just works. Ooh, and I can't um, yeah, it's so good. So I, I highly, highly recommend that. If you, if you need a good pick-me-up or a reminder about hope, Wonder Woman's got you. Okay. So uh, as we sign off, then, uh, Brian, thank you. Please share your links and where people can follow you and learn more about your books and, and everything and the podcasts, of course. 
Sure. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at cbrianwright. Uh, my website is cbrianwright.com, and it's uh, that website needs an overhaul, but it does have links to all my books and podcasts and stuff like that. Um, the podcast that uh, most people would probably know me for is Secret Identity, which is a comic book podcast I've been doing for 11 years now with my buddy Matt Herring, and that's at secretidentitypodcast.com. And the uh, the other podcast that I'm spending a ton of time now with is the Thrash It Out podcast, which is a podcast about heavy metal that I do with comic book writer Anthony Johnston. And if you go to see Wonder Woman this week, you're probably going to see a ad for Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron, which is based on the graphic novel that he wrote called uh, The Coldest City. And um, it was kind of cool yesterday being in the theater and, you know, seeing his name and leaning over to my wife yeah. and, and uh, kids and being like, yeah, that's that's dad's friend who, who you know, yeah. who, you know, wrote the book that this movie's based on. And uh and so, yeah, but we what we do in that podcast is we do uh, we take a different album each episode and we really do like an hour and a half, two hour discussion of every song and the production behind it and facts about the band and stuff like that. So even if you're not into heavy metal, but you like to hear people talk about music and how much they love it and and really kind of deep dive on it, it's uh, you can find it at thrash it out dot com. Um, so those are the two main ones I, I'm doing uh, and everything else you can find through the website. That's fantastic. Brian, I'm so happy that you had time to that. You know, both of us like we squished this into, I know, right? into today, and I love that we did it because it feels really good. Um, so thank you for that. And you guys can of course follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber, on Instagram as Amber Unmasked, and please support me at Patreon, which is also Patreon.com/slash Amber Unmasked. And you can learn more about the Farrah Weathers mysteries and my other projects and my life and my cats. Um, at amberunmasked.com also. So uh, I hope that we've uh, lifted people up and not depressed them more about middle age. I think we started low, but we brought it up at the end, so I feel like we've left them in a good place, and uh, and I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me on, and, of course, I'm sure we'll get together on the podcasting uh, platform soon. Soon, absolutely we will, because I love it. I love talking to you. 